Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you from uh, the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona, as well as remotely from my house and our guest, Mark Boundy's house. We're so glad to be here today. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management, sales, sales strategy, all fun stuff that we have with our guest, Mark. I also want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They've been now serving customers for over seven years with Project Management Solutions. Check out their website, www.thepmosquad.com, to learn more about their services. And of course, a reminder to everyone to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to see upcoming guests that we have planned, as well as to listen to all of our previous episodes and to learn more about each of our guests who have joined us over the last few years. Very excited today to have uh, Mark Boundy join us. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining. Joe, man, thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate your having me here today. Yeah. And what is great about this is Mark and I were together as guests, actually, back in February of 2018, I think it was, at Phoenix Business Radio X when we were one of the first shows that Karen, the station owner, had ever produced before. So for us, it's kind of like old home week, right? Getting the gang all back together again. Yeah, it's kind of fun to, to catch up again. So, Mark, I think uh, this show will be a little bit non-traditional from our standards because you're not a project management expert, but as we found on the show when you and I were on together a couple of years back, there's great synergies between the sales world and the project world, right? We're delivering on the execution, often, of what the sales teams provide. So I'm really looking forward to getting your thoughts and concepts on those sales concepts and approaches, especially out of your most recent book. So if you'd like to take a moment here to introduce yourself to the audience, tell everybody a little bit about you and, and your background and what you want to be talking about today. Sure. I have my own company, Boundy Consulting. Uh, I used to be a franchise of one of the big sales training companies, and I was when we first met. Now I'm kind of on my own with my own approach to sales and selling. And I don't know if you'll remember when we were first talking that I thought, and I come to sales as change management. As a seller, especially in B2B, which is kind of where I work, you're trying to get a client to change the way they think, the way they're doing something, change the tools they're using, change the products they're using. And so if you look at yourself first as a change manager, and second of all, as a salesperson, you're probably going to approach the job in a different and a much more productive way. And you're going to be much more likely to be perceived as that valued partner. And project management is how you execute the change that you sold. Uh, right. So that's, the, I, I really, I love the synergies between what we do. Uh, they don't compete, but man, they, they uh, certainly work side by side. And, and if either one of those two drops the ball, then you've got some real trouble on your hands. Yeah, I, I would agree. So you had mentioned kind of you're doing your own thing now, but part of your own thing is this book you've written, right? Uh, Radical Value, Elevate Your Company and Career by Unleashing the Power Within Customer Centricity. 
share a little bit about that? What what was the impetus to write yeah. that? And then what's the, the primary points within the book? Yeah, um, it's a real mouthful. Um, the, the title is just Radical Value, and the rest of that word salad was the subtitle. Value, customer perceived value, is what moves any and all commerce. We don't decide to click on a cat video unless we think that's going to be worth 15 seconds out of our life. Right. We don't decide to click on a company's website unless we think it might, the information might be worth it. We don't decide to accept a sales call unless we think it's going to be worth our time. And that person has at least enough credibility with us for us to invest a half an hour of our lives with that person. And certainly we don't buy anything without saying the value is worth what I'm going to have to outlay in terms of trouble, cost, risk of the change and the price of, of whatever it is. So value is at the core of what we buy. Um, and we've gotten so far away from that in modern sales, that core of what sales and business is all about, that I wanted to radically refocus the world on getting back to that basic truth. So let's explore that radical a little bit, right? You said, if I'm in a radical world where there's a pandemic ongoing, yeah. I have to adjust everything I'm doing, right? This is just a different world we live in. So how do we do that today? How, and, and I'm not talking in, in about any specific type of company, but just the general concepts, right? It's, man, these are different times. Yeah, they're different times. And I'm helping my clients by getting back to understanding their value. And it turns out that the, the perceived value, which is a combination of what you actually do and what outcomes you provide a customer and how well they realize it and how much they value those, those two together become perceived value. Your perceived value of every company I have ever run across uh, in this COVID days has changed. Certainly, we know that the perceived value of an airfare on an airline has changed, of a cruise ship has changed, but the value of your Amazon Prime membership has certainly changed for the better, of Grubhub, of NVIDIA, right? And I have one client who's a small manufacturer and who has been swimming upstream against offshoring of their products for 15 years uh, since he bought his company. And suddenly there are clients saying, you know what, we've known about the academic risk of offshoring, but suddenly we've been slapped in the face with, what, with turning that academic risk into real risk. If I don't have one critical component that comes from China, I have to go lying down for my entire automotive assembly plant, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we've, we've really lived that in the, uh, all the personal protective gear. You know, if, if the filter media is made somewhere that we can no longer get, if, if shipments, if chi a Chinese factory has to shut down, that's a bad thing. So everybody's value has changed or at least the way you deliver it has to be changed. Uh, in sales training, I can't do face-to-face -face sales training anymore. If you run a yoga studio, um, you had to close your yoga studio down. But some yoga practitioners have found out that their clients are living a life at home where they need yoga more than ever. And if they will switch from doing it in studio to doing it over Zoom, there are yoga, instructor who's, yoga instructors who, even though they close their facilities down, 
their business is up Mm. because they figured out what their real value is. And it was really just a matter of figuring out how to deliver it differently. So if we think about that, and uh, I was talking with a uh, employee of our yesterday about this. We, if we have a customer who's a helicopter manufacturing company and their primary industry they serve is the oil industry, as we know is yep. being hit right now. And the primary components of the helicopters are metal, right? The companies that produce the metal yep. and those companies use distribution networks, trucks to get the, the stuff to the helicopter manufacturing company, that entire supply chain from the decrease in the oil demand across the world impacts all the way back to steel producers. And every one of them is impacted by that. So whereas in the project management world, we have a lot of independent project management consultants who listen to our show, they may have served customers along that entire supply chain. But now their customer who may have been a shipping company who was implementing a CRM system, that shipping company doesn't need a CRM system right now. So how for the smaller businesses, you mentioned the yoga instructor, right, which is a more retail driven uh, component from a B2B perspective in this radical change we're in now, is there any sales wisdom you can share with folks to get them thinking as to what are some options we can do to try to get through these times? Well, I hope so, um, <laughs> because that's that's what I'm here. I I view myself um, as a business first responder, right? I'm I don't wear gloves and I don't have a medical degree, but uh, my job is to help businesses, big and small, figure this thing out and survive. And the first step that I usually take with people is let's understand the customer outcomes that your service delivers. What, and it's not project management. People don't buy project management. They buy success and they buy whoever, you know, they're buying success, they're buying implementation, they're buying efficiency. um, And project management is a way for them to execute, to achieve that. So what is it, what what is the need behind the need that you're actually selling? And is there a different way to help your clients get that? Because they already associate you with, getting that particular need. Um, One of my mentors, Bob Miller, uh, founded Miller Hyman, the oldest, largest sales training company in the world. He was very fond of saying that customers don't buy your product or service. They buy their own outcomes from your product or service for Mm. their own reasons. And if you don't know what your customer is buying, you have no idea what you should be selling. So let's figure out your value. Let's figure out the outcomes you deliver for customers. And if there's a way to do that virtually, if there's a way, uh, a shift in that value that you can take advantage of, let's start talking about that because you are already in that business. Uh, You just didn't know it or you knew it through a dim fog. And let's, let's clarify that for, for what you're doing. So one of the, the gives I'll have for any of your clients is let's figure out, uh, and I've got a tool set that will help you get in touch with all of the customer outcomes that you delivered that you didn't realize you delivered. And let's figure out which ones became more important to your customer. 
that example of the long logistical supply chains. Um, we always, you know, U.S. manufacturers always had a, a laundry list of reasons we sold and why you want to buy American. And disappointingly, a lot of those reasons really didn't have an impact, did they? Yeah. Now, those same reasons, if you articulate them now, will have an impact. And if you have conversations right now around those saying, how much is this costing you right now? So that six months from now, when you go back to them and say, do you remember when we had this talk about how bad this was right now? Maybe if you think there's a 2% chance of these catastrophic things happening, maybe you'll spend that 2% more, some of that 2% that you're avoiding with me so that you don't have to have this happen again. Um, and that is value that always existed, but didn't exist in your customer's mind. And now you've got to nail it down and amplify it and grow it in your customer's mind so that when this is all over, you're able to, to capture that value and play on that value and succeed with that value. So I'm happy to help your clients figure out what their value is and how it's changed and what to do about it. And, and also, I think the, the way we work has changed, right? So a lot of uh, organizations had project managers on site, and they were employed resources. And when they went home, they may not be as productive, right? They may, obviously, they could have children around home because the schools are closed. They may not sure. have the network bandwidth on their home equipment that they would have if they were in the office. Uh, the distractions of working from home, some people just can't do that to begin with. Um, so if you're an independent project manager out there, you may have a foot up over an employed resource because you can actually produce your work better. Yeah. And I think those are some of the things to your point of what's that value you provide. It's a stable, productive employee that, that can go out there and help people. Oh, and, and think about that. How hard are before this, how hard was it to get a good project management professional? How hard did you have to work to? hire and train and get that person up to speed. And if you let them go now, how hard is it going to be for you to find them again? Are they going to want to come back to work for you? Even money on that. So yeah. the value just of the business disruption of having to lay somebody off and retrain them, that's, that's crazy. Uh, another thought I had was one of the things that I did when I was doing sales training was I helped sales managers who have always managed their workers remotely, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's not a remarkable thing in that right. business and in that profession. And so I realized that, geez, that was just kind of normal practice for me in, in a prior world. And I've suddenly realized that I've got kind of a side consulting gig of, of helping managers who never manage remotely, figure out how to be good at it. And that involves a daily huddle, right? In the morning, get your people yeah. together, realize it. And that's something that sales managers do just as normal part of the cadence. And that's something that first-time virtual managers have to learn. And, and how to deliver feedback, constructive feedback on job performance over Zoom or over an email rather than face-to-face -face because so much of that communication is lost, which requires you to have a very clear way of communicating, saying, I value you. I don't understand why you did this thing this way. 
it's, I'll bet you, you thought you were doing a really good job. I'd like to understand why you thought you were doing such a good job, because here's the outcome it created when you did it that way. And that's, you have to be very careful about not saying you knucklehead or having it heard you knucklehead because you lose that so much. So I'm, I'm learning that uh, a lot of what the, you know, the basic, basic assumptions of, of helping sales managers manage remotely is that's like brand new revelation to people who are doing it for the first time. Yeah. And I think in the project management space, we're used to that, right? A lot of companies did project uh, daily stand-up meetings where we would bring the team together yep. uh, or huddles uh, as we'd call them or scrum meetings. Uh, yep. Some use those terminology, but now especially even more important because there's nobody together, right? We're, we're all remote now. So I think to your point, even more valuable, some of the things that we were doing in person become more valuable when we're remote. And looking and examining each of those steps that we take on a, on a regular basis that we took for granted, uh, boy, I, oh, here's the daily stand-up, another thing we have to do, right? Now, a lot of employees in this remote setting can't, can't function properly without that because they want to have that cohesiveness with their team. Yep. How about, you know, the sales world, uh, to your point, if you're the North American sales vice president, your entire team is remote, right? There may yep. be a couple of folks at headquarters with you, but primarily they're all remote. So your team is used to being remote from you. But now for another company that may have been all in one location, where the resources are dispersed. And you had talked about at the manager level, right? Managing the resources, but what about that employee level, right? How can they make sure they're contributing to provide value back to the customer, uh, whether it be through a project, whether it be through a sale, or whether it be just through maintenance work they're doing at their company? Yeah, and that's a really great question. And I think what you're asking is making sure that the customer, the value continues to be delivered to a customer. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's part of why I wrote the book. What we have done over the last couple of decades um, in management is, you know, when I first started, there was sales, inside sales and outside sales, and then maybe two or three other organizations that touched the customer after we sold. There, there might have been uh, technical support and there might have been uh, installation and or project management. And now, 15, 25 years later, I won't say which, um, (laughs) I'll let my gray hair answer that question. I have clients that have 15 roles that touch the customer. We've got inside sales, outside sales. We've got hunters, farmers, uh, key account managers, bid specialists, demo specialists, installation engineers, application engineers. Um, customer success, installation, project management, technical support, three tiers of, te- of te- right, on and on and on. And we still are telling the 12 roles that touch our customer what we told the four, the two roles when there was only four or five roles touching the customer. We tell them, stay in your lane, just do your job and let mm-hmm. sales sell. And at the time, you know, back then when there was four or five, Sales owned the customer interface. Today, sales is a minority shareholder. As a project manager, you have high credibility relationships with 
portions of a customer that your sales that a salesperson will never have if you aren't taking a time out of the 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 nuts and bolts of your project management and looking across the aisle and and saying to a, a client that thing over there that looks like a problem tell me more about that how often does that happen and when it does who all's impacted and what's it costing you how yeah. hard is how hard is that for and especially project managers because the discipline of project management forces you to understand a, a, a company in, on a more holistic basis. You understand the interrelatedness between all the silos and departments. Um, project managers and, and top executives are the portions of a company that really have that nailed. And as a project manager, you see the problems in the interconnectedness in your clients' silos. And what a waste is it if, We've got these very specialized project management uh, with these high credibility relationships, and you're not asking those questions. Yeah, because, I, I've, yeah, I, sales, I, that, sales will never figure to even ask those questions. Right. I, I think back to the first time I found out I was actually a project manager. I I didn't have the title of project manager. I was a regional systems consultant for a software company in the automotive industry. Sure. And my job every day was to go to a different car dealership and make sure that they were using the software to help their dealership be more profitable. So I would spend time in the finance department, the parts department, sales department, et cetera. I wouldn't sell any of the additional software packages. There was a salesperson for that, but I could find out that they were struggling in service and using somebody else's service tool. So our salesman would then go approach them and say, why don't you use our service tool? You're already using parts and finance. We'll have the total package. Yeah. After the company bought that, I would then help them implement it. And my boss one day said, Joe, how's the project going to implement the new software package? And I said, I don't even know what, a so- what you mean. What is a project? And he said, oh, that's you're a project manager implementing new software to help the company grow. And that was my, I didn't know, right? It wasn't my title. I was a young kid out of college. I didn't know what that was. Proof you're a project manager. (laughs) Yeah, but to your point, it was the value provided to the customer that my role, regardless of your title, we're all supposed to be providing value to that customer. And the more value we provide, the more goods and services we can sell to them. Yeah. That is an illustration of what it should look like. And there's a ton of project managers out there who don't operate in that environment. It's just manage the project. Yeah. Sales will sell it. You manage it uh, and stick to your, you know, stick to your knitting, stay in your lane. Don't ask about those other new problems. If you find out about them, please, you know, don't bother sales because they'll think you're a know-it-all. We don't do that to sales and multiply that failed interaction times a thousand times a year in sales they're used to thinking of a lead a qualified lead and how many leads did sales not get from a client that already buys from you and already trusts you as a project manager and it's mind-boggling um, to me how often organizations miss miss that and wait you think that's bad, it gets worse, right? Uh, 
because customers, that's how we sell, right? We've siloed how we sell to our customers or how, how we've, we've splintered the customer interface from the selling side. All the silos and specialization that led to that splintering is happening at our customers too. And so in sales, we, we think that the number of people buying our project, buying our product has grown from four to 6.8. Well, really it's grown, grown to 12 or 15, but the customer is, knows that a 15 person buying committee is a nightmare. So we're going to restrict it to 6.8. So now yeah. all of the value that you offer to persons seven through 12 doesn't get sold to anybody. And the buying committee suddenly starts thinking that all of the solutions that are being sold look just alike because they're only being sold to a narrow subset of the meeting. And so as selling organizations, we've not only crippled ourselves from having a view into the customer, the customer has splintered themselves and has restricted the number of conversations that they want to have with us. And so now all the value, especially when you're selling complex software, uh, which a lot of your listeners are selling, right? They're involved in some pretty heavy technology. There's a ton of really subtle value that you add that isn't getting addressed. And what ends up happening is I have customers who say, well, I've got, you know, in the finalists, I got three different bids uh, with three different logos on the front of the bid, but it's all the same proposal. Well, that's because you restricted what you asked for and salespeople are only giving you what you asked for. And when you ask for a really narrow thing and your salespeople response, you know, respond to what you asked for, yeah, they're going to look alike. So as a sales organization, we have to break out of that. And that's, that's kind of, one of the reasons that I wrote Radical Value is to realize the, the tunnel vision that we've given ourselves both as sale, sales organizations and as buying organizations. And when the customer's buying organization is, has got those blinders on, who's got to fix that? Not the buying organization. The selling organization has to fix the buying organization's blinders. Yeah, I, I love that concept, right? We, uh, the PMO squad has a local client here in the Phoenix area. That's a small semiconductor company. They did not have project management within their tool set that they were supplying to their end customers. So they brought in the PMO squad to help them. And they the first project we worked on for them was a product uh, that was being built. That was essentially it was failing. It was a failed project. And we helped recover that. And our customer didn't know that there were three projects in waiting that this end customer is ultimately going to sell or uh, go to semiconductor companies to try to farm them out. When we turned that project around for our customer, their end customer came back and did all three projects with them because they now had confidence that they could deliver on the work that they wanted. So project management indirectly as a service from the semiconductor company became a selling tool for them to be able to quadruple the business they won from one of their end customers. So it could have gone from a loss sale into a 4X component because of what we were able to do on the delivery side. So going back to your back to basics and how there's integration between the delivery team and the sales team, the sale make it becomes a lot easier 
when the delivery team can provide success or show a history of success with them. Wow. Um, you've opened a giant can of worms of opportunity for every one of your listeners, uh, if they can replicate that. And here's what I mean. We all know that what's, what's the percentage of failed projects that you hear about? I, I hear numbers, but it, it's around a 50, 50, right? They're right? about 50% fail, 50% pass. And, and I've heard 50, 50, if you measure by, we met at least one of our goals for this project and it's yeah. 70% failure. If we measure by a substantial number of our goals were met. So say it's 50, 50, everybody knows that every customer buying everything ever made knows that. And so project management, effective project management and de-risking the sale is a huge differentiator as a project management function, whether you're outsourced or a small shop or whatever, execution risk is a big part of the customer's calculation, whether they're going to buy from somebody or not. And your, you know, the, the, the project manager and the PMO squad um, and anybody in that business significantly impacts execution risk and whatever you can do to, to make that. So let's talk about execution risk. What does that mean for a client company who's considering going to a project? And so this company that had three projects on hold waiting for a credible project manager. Well, certainly there was that business, but within that business, whoever was holding those three had some personal career risk, right? Okay. I yeah. don't, right? I've got one project that is impacting my career and my promotability, and you took that away and made it a plus. So for some key decision maker, there was a personal career thing. There was all the costs associated that, with that. There's the psychological fact that your customer, that losses are twice as important as gains. Yeah. That one failed project was just as important as pulling that from failure to neutral, uh, from failed expectations to meeting expectations, was as important in that organization as two or even all three of those withheld projects as potential gains. Right. Yes. <laughs> and so all of that stuff, as project managers, you impact that value. So if you're a small project manager organization and you're partnering with, say, a semiconductor company, and that semiconductor company can say, as part of the service of dealing with us, we've got this really high success rate project management. And so let's talk, talk to you about the combined service of us plus the project management function as a way of delivering that semiconductors, semi, you know, their, their chips successfully into the design of, of a client business. And a successful project is worth, successful project management probably makes the sale and actually would allow that semiconductor company to charge a higher price because a higher price of something that works that is successfully implemented is worth way more than a cheap piece of a cheap part that has a higher, higher prospect of failure. 
Well, and yeah, and, and what we found, right, because they weren't offering project management originally, so their bids didn't even include cost uh, or a price within the proposal for project management. So not only did they win additional business, but the value of the business was higher yeah. because they now could add all those project management hours into the proposal. Yeah, and I, I'm going to push back a little bit. The dollar, the dollars transacted because you included project management changed. I use the term value. Good point. Yes. Yeah. As uh, I, and you're not wrong. I just, I'm just really stickler, a stickler about the word value because value is something that only exists in your customer's mind. Sure. The dollar denomination went up, but the value of the combined service went up and value being something in the customer's mind. Um, the risk, the de-risking of the uh, taking execution risk was is drastically diminished especially when you can show and tell those great stories in the past of we took this dog project that was about to fail and we 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 rescued this project we delivered these projects on time on budget we we make these successful um that's really important and i think what you're um right the the layman's perspective over here the non-sales guy but the project guy is saying you're concepts of radical organizational change is to get functions within a company like project management to know that you're a component to providing value to that customer, which then helps your company's opportunity to sell. Yes. I want every company leader to be able to give everybody in the organization a direct line of sight between what they do and their contribution to the company and how customer value is delivered. Uh, and if you've got a direct line of sight, now all the, the million little, as a CEO, the million decisions that get made in the company without you, if you give everybody a line of sight to what we're trying to accomplish, all those million decisions may not have been exactly the way you would have made them, but they are all directionally correct because you pointed everybody in the right direction. Man, what a huge difference. If you make your company better, 1% better every day, how much better are you after a quarter? Yeah. Right. Well, and this, this is where I, again, I love this show because I get to talk to leaders like you, Mark, who then open my mind, other concepts that I can then relate to the project space to be able to help my company as well. And the reality is right. Our core product we deliver now is called purpose driven PMO. Wow. Where we, where the concept is slightly different than yours because we're not doing it customer focused, but we're saying, what is your purpose as a company? Not what is your purpose of a PMO? And we need to take the project management organization and focus it on what your company's purpose is. So if you're a, a company that manufactures stents that help keep people alive and you're working the, the, the factory floor and you think you're just building stents, then you're probably not a highly motivated employee. But when you conceptually change that to I'm saving lives because I'm producing a life-saving medical device, my concept as an employee is now enriched. Yep. And I think that's what you're doing. Are you trying to get everybody within the company focused on what you're providing to your customer and the value that that can provide for them? Yeah. And I think it's radical. In a lot of companies, that's a radical departure from the process i mean there are some companies that are the generic boring for-profit company which is fine 
Um, but there are some companies who've taken that even further and to become the for process company, which is just this mindless. I don't know what the company does, but this work comes in this chute. I do this to it and I put it in that chute over there in my cubicle. And that kind of mindless automaton who doesn't know how that fits into the customer's value picture is not able to do their job very well, no matter how carefully that process was written. Uh, we become a for-process company, not even a for-product company, much less a for-customer company. So that's, you know, you've labeled this, right? Radical change, right? So there has to be a component of change management to this to, to make it stick, to make it work, to be effective, to make the change. How, how do you help companies do that? Really great question. And any change management, uh, and I love the fact that you have this purpose-driven PML, you have to understand the end goal. I think anybody who's been in change management realizes that success in change management largely pivots on getting buy-in from everybody in the organization, understanding what the change has got to accomplish, what it's for, why we're doing it, not here's what's going to change and here's what we're going to, but why. Giving the entire organization the why or the purpose mm-hmm. is, yeah. is the, the key. It, if you look at failed projects versus successful projects, that's probably one of the biggest, there we go, um, is one of the biggest differentiators between project failure and success. And so in radical value, I propose that no matter what your business is, the purpose is to create customer value. And if we're, if we're not engaging in a project that, in, that improves customer value, I want a really good explanation of why we're doing it in the first place. I get very high-minded or lofty or something, and I say the purpose of every organization, the purpose of every company, profit or nonprofit, is to create more value for customers than it costs them to produce. So if that's the purpose of a company, you better know what your value is because, and you better be able to connect everybody, everything everybody does to that value. So when you're proposing a change in an organization, think of a, of, of a, a change management or a project that says, you know what, we found out that we're missing the mark on our customers' expectations and we're going to do something different. And here's, here's why we're changing and here's what the customer expectation really is. And so this is why we're undergoing this project. Can, can you imagine the buy-in that you get from an organization if you're able to position that versus we decided to buy salesforce.com? And I know it's going to sound like a lot more uh, paperwork for you, but that's what we've got to do. Which of those two projects is going to succeed and which one's going to fail? Right. Yeah, no brainer. Oh, by the way, it's the exact same project managers doing each one. So it doesn't have anything to do with project management skill. Right. (laughs) Right. I've got a a kind of off the wall question for you. Okay. It, it just, while you were talking, it, it struck me because I, I mention it often when I uh, speak to large groups. Um, so in the sales world, they aren't as concerned with making sure the CRM system is completely updated, right? If you haven't completely updated your notes, but you won the sale, 
your SVP of sales is still happy that you won that multi-million dollar sale. Yep. In the project world, if you don't have your process executed properly, all of the PMO leaders in the world pull their hair out and say, you have to follow the process. You can't step outside the lines. Whereas my radical approach is, no, it's about the result. If the project doesn't have the I's and T's dotted and crossed properly, but we delivered what the sales team sold and the customer's happy, then we were successful. Yeah. So why, I don't know if you've come across this in your sales world uh, or uh, any of your just, you know, your business experience. Why is it that some parts of the organization, the sales department, is it okay to be focused on results? But in the delivery side of an organization, we're more focused on the process as opposed to the result. Wow. There's, there's a, like, and we've only got a couple minutes left. Um, <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> um, part of it is because, in Mark Boundy's opinion, uh, there are parts of an organization that don't have a view to the customer. And when you don't have a view to the customer, you have to fall back on the process my boss gave me, the process that we defined. And success for me is adherence to the process. Mm -hmm. Sales is on the complete opposite end of a spectrum is that you really understand what the customer wants. And there's a dysfunctional thing that happens in sales in that so many times, uh, I was just having this conversation this morning with somebody who was a vice president of sales for Oracle. So sold technology and used technology and sold had salespeople using technology to sell technology. And she said that every CRM has the temptation of measuring the stuff that's easy to measure, measuring mm -hmm. process. Yeah. And we give salespeople a glide path, as was her term, to keep on managing all the little details that have to get delivered to an end result. And it's an activity-based glide path. And it's process steps glide path. And we don't give salespeople a glide path to understanding customer value. And CRM is awful at that. Mm -hmm. So her, her and my feeling is that CRM measures the wrong thing. And at some basic level, every VP of sales understand I'm measuring quantity of activity, not quality of behavior. Right. Because CRM measures the wrong thing and salespeople and sales leaders kind of get the fact that it measures the wrong thing and we're, we're really trying to get to the right result, uh, there's a lot of forgiveness in sales because they know they're using the wrong tool to measure the wrong thing. And so it's okay if you don't measure it right. Um, and so there's some freedom in the fact that our process is just as broken as the PMO process. Mm -hmm. It's just... I have the luxury of knowing what real quality and I have the luxury of knowing what really matters to my customer and I'm going to deliver that. So I don't think it's because CRM is a better or worse tool. I, I actually think in a lot of respects, CRM is a worse tool. And so that kind of lets you, um, and, and if everybody realizes that CRM is just a compliance tool so that I can create some dashboards and reports, it's not a tool to help me understand customer value, then you can be pretty forgiving as a sales leader. And of course, then the uh, operations and finance gets, they're the ones who pull their heads out and say, there's no data in CRM. <laughs> um, 
So and they've got their 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 sales executive will go fight that battle for them because you just closed your ten million dollar deal. Absolutely. I am on the crusade to get the CRM to start measuring the right stuff. Because sure. when it measures the right stuff, now the salespeople use the tool because they realize that the tool helps them sell better. I'm doing better discovery. And when that happens, now everything's in the CRM. And now operations can see big orders coming in the pipes. And so we don't get caught flat-footed for major long lead time components. And, and finance is able to have a much better conversation during the quarterly earnings report with the shareholders and the analysts. Yeah. Um, and they're able to guide. And so everything works better. And so I don't want to say, well, CRM sucks, so don't use it because it is an important part of when it's used properly and when it's got the right information that CRM feeds a whole lot of mission critical functions within an organization. And the fact that we measured the wrong thing in CRM, it's easy for that sales vice president to make excuses for why it didn't happen, but that's not fixing the problem that the CFO has. That excuse doesn't fix the problem that operations and, and logistics has. Um, Another tie into that that I think is important for our project management listeners to understand is we may have a hypothetically a $10 million sale. Let's, let's just go back to my days when I was working at Cessna Aircraft. Say okay. it's a, a $50 million aircraft that somebody was buying. The, the value, uh, that's a Citation 10. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so that sale comes into the company, but the $50 million doesn't go into the company's accounts until the aircraft is delivered. Right. There may be a, a 5 million, a 10% upfront. And then there's some milestone payments, but upon delivery, the last $25 million is delivered. So the project team, the execution team that's delivering the final product is actually closing the, the last part of the sale. Yeah. And, and we in the project management space often lose sight of our connection to what has been sold on the front end because the, we just think the sale's done. I'm going to go deliver. Well, yes, the transaction of the sale's done. But the financial transaction of the good or service isn't done till we finish the project. And if our project is late six months, then the sale is really late six months. Yeah. Right? And that's, the, that's the, the value component that you're talking about, right? Um, have every one of your clients buy my book, Radical Value, and then give it to their clients. Because I have this, um, I have you know another little bugaboo, a little burr under my saddle, if you will, about the, the sales term closing. What customer considers the when the, that product deli was delivered closing? Right. That's that's just the end of the risk analysis. That's when that's when everybody who bought it is that's day one of accountability. Right. So calling that the close is the least customer focused thing you could possibly call a project. So you're you're exactly right that the delivery is the important. It's the go live that's important. It's the successful implementation that's important. Every salesperson who uses this phrase, land and expand, right? I'm going to get a small deal now, show my, you know, what we can do so I can get the big deal later. Well, what happens if you get a small deal that you were never going to make money on anyway? You're probably going to lose money because it was so small. And then you screw up. Right. <laughs> so yeah. not only did not only did you not expand, but you took a piece of business that is crippling your company because the same project 
managers that had to deliver that project got taken away from a big profitable deal to deliver this super valuable key customer. This is going to land us and expand it, right? You get taken off of this, off of another project that might've made money into one that showed promise of future money, which might be a good decision, but if you don't do it right, or if what you sold wasn't the right thing that was never going to be able to successfully demonstrate your your capabilities anyway, it was so small that it wasn't going to prove anything. Why are you taking that piece of business? Yeah. So I think the, you know, we're, we're coming up here on the, the tail end of the conversation, but I want to make sure we give uh, you an opportunity, Mark, to make sure we're hitting all the points that are in the book and that you want to hit. Because um, obviously, as we talk about change, any change, sometimes you have to hear it more than once before it sits in, right? Before it gets yeah. settled in your brain. What else is there that we need to, to cover on this? What, what else do you want to share with the audience to make sure they're understanding the concepts? Well, um, going back to the reason I wrote the book is, you know, part of it is because of the splintering uh, and the siloing of organizations and getting our hands around that. But uh, one of the things I didn't say is that for sales, understanding customer outcomes, I don't care what sales training you bought. I've reviewed and I've talked to consultants who have reviewed over 100,000 B2B sales. And I can tell you without a doubt that salespeople are the worst. The, the one thing they do worst is understand the customer's expected outcomes. Hmm. And as a project manager, that has to be your guiding light. And salespeople are the worst at that. It's the most important thing in sales. And it's the thing salespeople do worst. And it's the thing project managers need most. So the reason I wrote the book is to try to flip that, not to make it not what project managers need most, but to make salespeople and sales organizations better at giving project management offices a chance to succeed by understanding those outcomes. And so, Joe, I am really appreciative of the fact that um, I wrote this book not as a sales book, but as an organizational leadership book that is all about how everybody in your company should be involved in sales. So here's a little bit more about how sales works. And, you know, as a project manager, here's what you should know. And so you can be a little bit better at it. Um, so I talk a lot to chief financial officers um, about helping them understand what sales is and isn't. And how to, once you understand value, you can price value, which is something CFOs really care about. Um, and I'm really excited to, to have been invited here today to be able to talk about execution and how important it is to be able to bridge between the sales and the people who are in charge of an execution and implementation. I often talk about the connection with sales because we empower salespeople to make sales. We don't often empower project people to deliver results. And what I'm hearing from you today in our conversation is the, the actual dependence on our project teams to become successful as an organization yep. to sell and provide value to our customers. Yeah. How, how empowered can you, um, how well can you empower a project management organization to deliver results if your salesperson never figured out what re the results that the customer wanted? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the, the, I'll, I'll go back to two plus years ago when we had our first conversation and the intrigue had brought me between the synergies of your world and my world. And now after another 50 plus minutes of conversation, it just has an enhanced that uh, intrigue that I have because we're really both doing the same thing, right? We're both trying to provide what the customer wants. And, and I haven't yet read your book, but I am eager to jump into it to make sure that I understand those concepts better because ultimately on the project side, on the delivery side, we need to understand what the people in front of us are doing, right? Because we want to be able to work in concert cohesively with them to provide the value for the customer. Yeah, I was just in. A, I'm I'm going to put a pitch in um, for something else. You're as project managers, even it's great if you can get your sales team to do this. But if your salespeople don't, that doesn't take the burden off of you, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Think about in a football game, and when the running back fumbles, what happens? Well, everybody goes to try to cover the ball, yeah. Everybody goes to cover the ball. What happens if the ball gets fumbled the third time in the same game? Does the rest of the offense just sit back and say, man, you screwed up. I'm not going to go after that ball. No. Does that even happen? No. Right? So it's if the salesperson didn't do it, that doesn't mean it isn't your job. It's still you've got to have sales back. And hopefully this gives you some tools to help you have those conversations and, and to pick up the slack. It'd be awesome if sales could do it right. But if they don't, here's some tools to, to help you figure out what they might have done better. Hopefully it'll give you a chance to close to help ask them to start gathering that, but you're still responsible for the result. Yeah. And this, this should give you some tools to help you understand the customer results. Maybe that's where I can leave it. Well, Mark, obviously, thanks so much for being on the show today and sharing your story and your wisdom with us. Uh, how can listeners connect with you or contact you if they have any follow-up questions or information they'd like to get from you? And of course, where can they get the book? Okay. Well, my consulting company is Boundy Consulting, B-O-U-N-D-Y, almost like the paper towels, B-O-U-N-D-Y, consulting.com. Uh, so you can get a hold of me at Mark Boundy. On LinkedIn, you can get hold of me at mark at boundyconsulting.com or hit the contact page at www.boundyconsulting.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you to our listeners. Uh, be sure to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out this show, uh, as well as all of our other past shows and see what we have upcoming, all the great content we have out there. A reminder that the shows are recorded and will be released as a podcast on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, you name it. Wherever you can find a podcast, we'll be out there. And thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn more about the Purpose Driven PMO and all of their project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe. And you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Mm-hmm.